Hi, everyone. Good to see you all. Um, a few new names and faces. It's nice to see you. Um, so, happy 2022. A little deja vu, not in a good way. <laughs> um, but uh, at least we're here together. We're doing this. So, yeah. Um, and as weird and not ideal as 2021 was, there were also many, many nice moments. And so, hmm, okay. So, um, let's start with just a short sitting, um, a very short one. Then I will say a little bit and then we'll sit a little bit more and then we'll have time for some discussion afterwards, okay? So um, if, if you've never sat, if you've never meditated before, it's wonderful that you're trying it tonight. I don't know if anyone on this call is, is new to meditation, but just in case, I always like to assume at least one person is. So um, please just get in a comfortable position and follow along. That's all you have to do. And um, you can sit up in a chair on the edge of your bed or sofa, or uh, if your back is not doing so well, you feel free to lie down or lie back in a reclining chair. The key thing is you want to be able to breathe freely. So you don't want to be scrunched over. You want the front side to be open so that the chest and the belly can move as freely as possible. And it's always good to start with just a couple of deep breaths just to feel the body fill up and notice how the spine, the back lengthen as you inhale deeply. It's a good way to check to see if you might be scrunched over even in subtle ways, just our everyday postures can sometimes be a little collapsed without us realizing it, we're so used to it. So breathing in deeply is a way to just check, uh, am I actually able to fully inhale and let the whole body adjust so that you can breathe deeply. And when you exhale doing this, just let the shoulders, arms release, supported by your spine. And then once you've taken a few deep breaths like this, just let your breath begin to come and go at its own rhythm no longer intentionally lengthening the breath, but letting the breath just breathe itself however it wants to. And that might be in a shallow way, in a rapid way, in an uneven way, or perhaps in a deep and rhythmic way. There's no right way to breathe. Just let the breath lead the way. And as much as possible, get out of its way and just let the breath do its own thing. Listen to the breath. If the breath feels at all tight or uneven or shallow, 
it's not something to be corrected, but rather, as I said, to listen to, for it's telling you something about the state of your mind and body right now. Just notice, oh, right now my breath feels this way. That's interesting. And I think over the course of this sitting and this evening, you'll notice that your breath will change minute to minute, sometimes breath to breath, and let it. And for now, really all I ask you to do is just listen or pay attention to or watch the breath, whatever metaphor seems most apt to you. Just notice how the breath is moving without controlling or manipulating it in any way. And if it hasn't happened already, I'm sure at some point, while you're paying attention to the breath in this way, thoughts will come through and perhaps carry you away into rumination, planning about the future, thinking about the past. And just notice the mind doing that. And let it. Just as you're not trying to control your breath, don't try to control your mind. Let the mind do whatever it will. But when you notice that you are carried away by the mind, just gently bring your awareness back to the breath, which is different from telling the mind to stop thinking. You can let the mind think, let it do its thing, but just pay attention to the breath while the mind does its thing. There's room for both breath and mind in the spaciousness of your awareness. So I cannot emphasize enough, the point is not to make the mind stop thinking. The point is not to follow the breath so tightly that you don't notice thoughts, but just use the sensations of the breath to keep you anchored in present reality, in the physical reality of the present moment. And then while you do that, let your thoughts be as they are which may be sluggish, frenetic, anxious, confused, expectant. And just as you notice how your breath feels, oh, interesting, it's shallow or tight, you might notice too the quality of your mind 
Is it anxious, speedy, sluggish? Just notice, just watch. And while you watch the breath, while you watch your mind in this way, it can also be helpful to let your awareness also just feel physical presence of your body sitting here. You might just feel the posture of your upper body, its uprightness or whatever position it happens to be in right now or feel as well the way the body's making contact with whatever's beneath it supporting its weight, whether that be a seat or cushion or bed. So let your awareness just feel the breath. Notice how the mind is functioning. And just feel the physicality of your body as a whole. Some of you who are new to meditation and even some of you who are not so new to meditation will already be thinking, hmm, this isn't feeling the way it's supposed to, or I wish I could feel more calm, or I'd like to be less distracted. I wish my mind would quiet down. If you notice any thoughts that are about how this meditation session is going, please just be aware of that. It's just more stuff to let your awareness take in. This isn't about producing a particular feeling or effect. It's just about being present with however we are in this moment.
once in a while or even quite often, your thoughts will carry away so completely that you will lose track of the breath. You will not feel your body at all. That is not a problem. It's actually quite normal. It would be surprising if that hasn't already happened a few times for most or even all of you. When that happens, and when you notice that it's happened, because that may take a while, because you're so lost in thought, just notice that you are completely caught up in thought. And say, oh, thinking. And then let your awareness reconnect with the breath and the body. Sometimes when people hear the meditation instruction to follow the breath, watch the breath, they cling to the breath, they clutch the breath really tightly as if they want to just uh, feel nothing else, use it as a kind of life raft. If you notice that you're clinging or clutching to the breath in a tight or effortful way, I encourage you to relax your grip. You don't need to follow the breath so tightly. Just let it be a part of your awareness, an awareness which is big enough, as I said, to include thoughts, include your body, and even to include the sounds of the space you're in, the temperature of the air in the room you're sitting in. Let your awareness be soft and open. We're just using the breath as a kind of toehold into the present moment, making sure that we're just here, not lost in fantasy.
While you continue to sit in this way, just aware of the breath, the mind and the body, I'd like you to, for the next few minutes, keep an eye out for thoughts that are expecting something to happen or for you to feel a certain way or perhaps disappointed that you don't feel a certain way or frustrated that you don't feel a certain way. It's very hard for most people to engage in a practice like this and not have our experience of it be colored by pictures or ideas of how it's supposed to feel. Rather than try not to have such thoughts, just notice them. Perhaps they're very subtle, kind of leaning into the future. A subtle sense that if you just focus a bit more, it'll feel sharper, clearer. Or these thoughts could be quite loud and overbearing. In fact, even self-judgmental, like, why can't I do this better? I'm no good at this. Whatever volume or tone these thoughts have, these thoughts of expectation, judgment, disappointment, frustration, just notice them with as much curiosity as you can. Just like we follow the breath. Oh, the breath feels this way. That's interesting. Oh, my mind is doing this. That's interesting. Okay, this is good for an opening sitting. We'll sit a little bit more after I say a little bit. Okay, so feel free to continue sitting if you like, um, and feel free to move if you like. So tonight I want to um, speak about what I think is one of the great koans of Zen practice or the Zen tradition. It's actually Buddhism as a whole, but, and um, so for those of you who've never heard the word koan or don't quite know what it means, it's, it's um, in, in the way I'm using it, it means a kind of puzzle or riddle. Um, in the Zen tradition, there are these classic koans, like what's the sound of one hand? You know, what's the appearance of your face before you were born? Um, or um, anyway, things like that. Um, they're, they're questions that aren't meant to have a rational answer, uh, but are meant to sort of propel the practitioner towards some kind of deep insight um, after a lot of sort of um, meditation upon that puzzle. Um, 
so the koan I have in mind isn't so much like a puzzle like that, but um, kind of just a one of the most fundamental, I think, puzzling things that Buddhism tells us, which is that we're perfect as we are, that we don't lack, we're not lacking anything. Um, and I think um, for some people that won't just, that won't seem like a puzzle as just inaccurate, <laughs> you know, like uh, that's just not true. Um, but, but, but it's actually like the core thing that I think Buddhism is, tell, is trying to, to get us to see or realize. Um, and somehow um, coming to, yeah. And I think it's just puzzling. It's, it's just, it's a puzzle. Um, I think it becomes, uh, I think the puzzle, the edge of the puzzle or the real is sharpened when you think about how to put it into practice. How do we, how do we engage in meditation practice um, with this kind of, in this kind of spirit of we're okay as we are, because it's, it seems to us that we've come to meditation practice because we don't feel okay, right? Something has led us here to this practice. Something feels off. You know, I think it takes different forms for different people. Um, for some people, it can be the riddle of grief or mourning. How could this happen to someone I loved or to myself? Um, it can take the more subtle, but I think just a potentially as devastating form of that kind of uh, anxiety that you can wake up with in the middle of the night or in the early hours of the morning and just feel like something is not right. And, it, it, and it's especially disturbing when you feel like nothing is overtly wrong. You know, like maybe actually in many ways, your life seems perfectly good. You have so many people who care about you. You have a roof over your head. You have enough to eat. You have a good livelihood. And yet um, something is just not right. Something feels off. Um, and uh, a friend of mine likes to call, call that the anxious quiver of being, you know, something, just the kind of anxiousness that's sometimes just quivering there under the surface. That's not always rearing his head, but um, in quiet moments, you know, you can feel it, which is probably one of the reasons why many people don't like to give themselves many quiet moments, you know. Um, and I think that this puzzle, this koan, that we are perfect as we are, um, is hard to, to jive with a practice that seems to require so much effort and discipline. Um, it seems hard to meditate. It seems hard to bring ourselves to do it on a regular basis. When we're doing it, it can seem difficult. Um, we can get lost in ideas about the right techniques to use, right? The right methods to use. Um, and I think um, it's easy 
to lose our way and to begin to think of meditation practice as um, a way to fix ourselves um, or a way to improve ourselves um, and to, to somehow make ourselves right. But um, as soon as we begin practicing in that spirit, and I think, honestly, I've never met anyone who hasn't. Um, I have myself. I, and actually, one of the things I'm going to talk about tonight is my most recent episode of falling into this kind of mindset of feeling like I got to do something. I got to I got to sit in a way to, to fix something that's not right. But um, I'll get to that in a moment. Um, but it's 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 so easy to get caught up in this approach to meditation practice, which um, is really uh, an attempt to just change something fundamental about ourselves, as if something is not right. Something's definitely not perfect about who we are, and meditation is going to help me fix it. You know. Um, But I don't know what you all sensed inside yourselves when I asked you to tune in to these like little and sometimes not so little expectations that that color our experience of meditation, right? Um, you know, it can be like at the micro micro level, just like I want this next moment to be this way. Or if I, if I follow the breath in this way, um, I'll become sharper, clearer. I'll, I'll start to be able to concentrate, you know. Um, or, uh, you know, if if I can just like like notice that thought so it just stops bothering me, you know, I'll have a clearer mind. It can take a lot of different forms, you know, all the way to like if I just do this long enough, I'll get enlightened. You know, I'll, I'll realize something really deep and powerful that will transform me forever. Finally, heal me, you know, of, of this deep wound that I have. Um, but I think with practice, one of the things I think we start to realize is that very sort of impulse to approach practice with this kind of gaining idea, this idea of achieving something, making something happen, right? Getting something is actually also the very thing that wakes us up in the middle of the night with this feeling of anxiety, you know, like that something's not right, you know, or that makes us um, strive for like just other kinds of achievements that we think if we accomplish, if I just become this kind of person, if I just get that kind of partner, you know, if I just, you know, um, whatever it is, get this, some, for some people it's just really basic. Like if I just get this amount of money or this kind of fame, then I'll be okay, right? This kind of sense of lack, like that something is not enough in us. And so it's the thing that drove us to practice. And for that very reason, it shouldn't surprise us that when we begin to practice, it will color the way we practice too, especially at the beginning. But I think at all points throughout one's experience of practice, this approach to meditation will reassert itself. It's really natural. It's nothing to First of all, I mean, nothing to be ashamed of, but it's nothing to even be like, it's not something to be bothered by if you see it happening. Um, really, it's so deep. Like, it's not, it's not going to just go away, you know. Um, and so, 
you know, the second noble truth that the Buddha realizes that the cause of suffering is craving or thirst or desire. I mean, when we notice these moments where I say, I want to feel this way, if I could just focus just a bit more on the breath, I can make it happen. You know, um, I mean, that's we're actually really experiencing the truth of the second noble truth that the Buddha realized, right? And I think um, that already shows us what to do, which is just to watch and just to notice. The key to liberating ourselves from the suffering caused by that craving, which is so deep down in all of us, is to see its workings as clearly as possible, just to watch, just to be aware. Um, that we can just rid ourselves of it permanently forever, or that somehow we'd be a better person if we didn't give in to these urges. It's just more unnecessary drama and fantasy. You know, we start where we are. Uh, we always start where we are. We can never be any place other than where we are. And where that is for every human being I know, you know, is at some level of engaging with the operations of this craving. At the, the Pali word for this is tanha. You know, that life is, you know, characterized by dukkha suffering. And it's because we all have deep down this tanha or craving or thirst. But, you know, that can sound really esoteric and all that, but really it's just what we're all noticing. You know, the sense like, okay, if I just do this, if I make myself do this, it'll, it'll, if I can just be more, you know, it'll. And so, um, you know, this, I think, this is what I meant by a real, um, kind of edge of this puzzle, like, like we're perfect already, but of course we don't feel that way. And we practice meditation to kind of like realize or wake up to our perfection. And yet it's really hard to practice meditation in a way that doesn't kind of perpetuate the very problem that we're trying to get away from, you know, that, um, and to use meditation as an expression of this desire, you know, takes the forms of expectation, frustration, disappointment, all that. And I think what is so hard to do, but it's not the hard of like, grit your teeth hard. It's a different kind of hard. What's so hard to do is just to let ourselves watch. Just let ourselves be with however we are as we see these impulses to want to fix ourselves, to change our experience, to change how we feel, as we see them reassert themselves over and over. The incredibly hard discipline of practice, which is like so not macho or tough, or you know, grit your teeth hard, is the soft willingness to just let things be and just watch. Um, Dogen, Eihei Dogen, who's the guy who brought Zen from China to Japan, um, 12th, 12th century, uh, said this thing, um, which for many years I found completely puzzling, which is that Zazen is not a meditation technique, is the Dharma gate of joy and ease. And, um, and, you know, for me, in my early years of practice, who was all about trying to figure out how to meditate right, 
and how to how to learn all the techniques I could and to do them correctly, all this stuff. Like I couldn't understand what the hell it could mean to say that zazen was not a meditation technique. I thought it was just kind of like unnecessarily mystified spiritual BS or something. You know, I didn't. You know, it's just like I just didn't know what it could mean. You know, um, and and I think now it's one of the most important things I can think of anyone having said about meditation practice. Um, and I think what he meant was that it's not, Zazen is not a method or technique we employ to make something happen. It's just a way of sitting and being with how we are, however that is. And that's it. And over time, I mean, that's it. I think over time, by just letting ourselves be with our experience as it is, we will start to see for ourselves, like feel in our, our own marrow, you know, our bones, the truth of the fact that there is nothing that we could possibly attain, you know. But I think the real important thing right now is that when we notice ourselves practicing with this idea of gain or achievement, the practice, it's a wake-up call if we have ears to hear it in that moment. It's a wake-up call to just watch. Watch even that impulse to want to do something you know, like frantically, like, you know, like we're just like scrambling to make something happen. And sometimes it can feel like that, right? It can feel like, oh my God, like I need, I, I just can't, I just need to stop. I need to, something, I got to do something. I got to figure out like, what to do, like what's going on? Okay. So um, the reason I'm bringing this up is because I had an experience of realizing this lesson again. It's the kind of lesson that I think we just have to learn over and over again. We forget it over and over again. We have to learn it over and over again. And the, the most recent time I had to learn it was actually just between the last time I saw you guys and today, you know. Um, so this last fall semester, it's just, I don't know, it was like one of those periods where, you know, just sitting practice was in a groove for me. You know, I've been doing this for a long time and I, um, like a lot of the kind of intense ups and downs, psychological ups and downs, emotional ups and downs that characterize my early life, my early years of practice, they've mellowed a lot. I mean, um, and per, maybe a little bit is just my age, but I, yeah, I think it's just um, just having sort of ridden this roller coaster for a long time. And um, and whatever whatever it was, it's just like, I think it doesn't mean anything. You know, it's just like, it's just, you know, one of those like periods where you could just, coast and you can just feel like, okay, sitting is, is easy to slip into. It's just a, um, and for, then for whatever reason, when I went on vacation with my family, um, flew to California to see, see my parents, um, I had this experience, which I think some of you who've sat for a while can probably relate to, which like, you act, I just, I've stopped having any clear sense of what the hell I was doing. 
when I was practicing. Um, you know, I, 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 my, my mind felt like it was, it was more scattered, but that wasn't really the issue because it was more like, I didn't even know, like, it was like hard for me to even feel like what it was like to follow the breath, you know? Um, and so what I did is, okay. So, and this is, this is what I did. The first thing I did is I said, there's something wrong. Okay. I have to do something to correct this. You know, um, I didn't just watch. I said, oh, something's off. So I better do something about it. Um, and so I started going back into my toolkit, you know, breath counting, you know, doing these different things like much more forcefully, effortfully bring myself back into some state of concentration. And then I started also trying to figure out why this was happening. And of course, we're like, okay, I'm visiting my family. So it makes sense. I, don't I was like, one of, the, one of the memes or something I saw uh, on Instagram recently, and I think it was, it was people posted it like because it was a holiday. It was a quote from Ram Das, you know, it said, if you think you're enlightened, just go spend a week with your family, you know? So, and um, so I said, okay, of course, you know, um, but even trying to make sense of it, like figure it out is already an attempt to get control right, of the situation. And of course, obviously trying to follow my breath in this very like strict, like one, two, three, you know, it was as if I said, okay, my practice has become too soft. You know, it's become, I need to like just use a much stricter technique for a while because clearly it's not working because I wasn't feeling the way I thought I should feel, you know. And the thing about concentration techniques like that is they can sort of work. I mean, the sense of you can actually like, force your mind to be a little concentrated. But what's interesting is I felt myself also at the same time becoming more reactive. You know, like I would like be more on edge when I was with my family. Um, things would sort of get to me a little bit, you know? And so clearly whatever I was doing with the technique I was using, it was just masking some other stuff that was happening, you know? Um, but I was intent on just focusing on concentrating. It took me about 10 days of this to realize that what I needed to do was just watch, just be curious about how I was feeling and not see how I was feeling as a problem and not something to fix, not something to correct. And, um, and as soon as I shifted my mindset into one of the kind of mindset that was encouraging all of us to take at the beginning of this evening. I could see how my meditation practice, forcefully following the breath, trying to hold my mind to the breath was really just an expression of intense, um, it's like, it was like a swirl of expectation, even with like a little bit of aggression a little bit of it definitely willpower you know it was it was very in, it was very um will heavy um and it was clearly actually deepening my suffering it was an expression it was both an expression of my suffering and a way of deepening that suffering it was definitely not a way of getting any kind of clarity on what was going on um and when I could start just letting it be, just watch, 
just be curious. Just notice how things are. It's not that suddenly things felt better. It's not like then I got the experience I wanted. It's just that I remembered that there was nothing to get. There was nothing that I should try to make happen. That the very that, that I had become temporarily lost in this idea that I was trying to make something happen, um, which was antithetical, I think, to everything this practice is actually about. So, um, and so I settled back into just letting things be. Um, and that's why I, um, I think I decided to share this experience, but also I think the broader view of practice that I think this, this ex small you know, experience of mine, I think, um, really speaks to this idea that you know, what we're doing when we sit is not trying to make something happen. Um, it's just laying ourselves ease into our own experience, however it is. And that as soon as I could do that, this tightness, and that's another thing that was swirled up in the energy of willpower and aggression is like this constriction, the sense of tightness, this narrowing of my mind and heart as well, um, soften and open. It wasn't that everything suddenly felt better. You know, there was accumulated tension. There was whatever was going on, but it was no longer exacerbated by an effortfulness that was building up around it, which was um, at first what I thought I was doing was actually practicing with it, um, but I wasn't. And it took me a while to remember that what practice was, actually was in the situation, was to see the ways in which my mind felt this irresistible impulse to be doing something, you know. Um, I think that is actually one of the deepest, like kind of forms of conditioning that practice is inviting us to change our relationship to which is the impulse to always be doing something. And even to see practice itself as a form of doing, when in truth, it's really a way of being. So, um, techniques, following the breath, even counting the breath, they're all useful. But I think one of the things that um, I think makes the tradition of Zen so important is the way that it really foregrounds, I think, the, the outlook that needs to inform the way that we approach all those techniques um, and methods. And that ultimately, actually, it's not about any of the techniques, you know, that we use breath following, we use counting the breath as a way of sort of getting in a, a sort of toehold in present moment reality, but it's ultimately just about being with how we are, no matter what that is like. And seeing, like relating to that, um, even if it doesn't feel like it, as a perfection that we can't yet see for ourselves, but there's a kind of faith or kind of trust involved. And if we do that over time, it radically transforms like how we experience those ups and downs. Um, 
so um i don't know if that that made sense or how that 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 sounded to all of you but um i don't know i think uh i'd, I'd like us to sit again but i just i are there any thoughts or questions at this point um so before we we delve back into a little bit of quiet and just the experience of letting be I think the beautiful thing about this is that it doesn't mean we have to stop ourselves from wanting. It doesn't mean we have to stop ourselves from expecting or even stop ourselves from the impulse to do. It just means can we, instead of identifying with it, watch it, watch the way it operates inside of us. Um, it's not about excising anything, including impulse to improve ourselves or change ourselves. It's just about seeing that. Because I think if we can see that impulse, then we start to see how it's always covering over a sense of lack or some kind of sense that something is flawed or broken about us. And that's really what we're trying to get closer to. Um, it's like, what is... And then to even see beyond that. But we can't see any of that if we identify with the urge to be acting, to be doing something. Um, and I think one of the most difficult aspects of meditation practice is after making this huge commitment to engage in the practice, then to start to really examine the impulses that motivate that practice moment by moment right? Really seeing how we use the practice itself um, to engage in these self-improvement projects. And then to see if we can soften our grip on that impulse and let it be something we can be aware of rather than something that drives our engagement with practice. Okay, if there's nothing now, let's sit for, um, I don't know, eight, nine more minutes. And then I'll leave just a minute or two at the end in case anyone has a question that comes up for them by that point. I'll have much uh, spare instructions this time, but I'll still ease us in. So just please bring your awareness to your breath, just feel the belly and the chest rising and falling. And instead of tracking the breath, can you just receive the sensations of the breath? Can you hear 
the sound of your own breath. Perhaps in your throat. And the instructions are really just to watch, just to notice what comes up as you sit here, aware of the breath. Notice where the mind goes. And notice in particular the way the mind will want to use this meditation session itself to produce some kind of feeling, state of mind, effect. Nothing wrong with that. Just notice a very natural desire. Notice as well the way the mind may want to avoid certain thoughts or feelings, the way it's driven by aversion as much as by desire and attachment. And again, just notice, just watch.
As a way of wrapping up this evening, I want to slightly reframe, I think, the essence of what I was talking about tonight. But really, this is just the practice of presence, just being here. And part of what that entails is being attentive to what blocks presence, what emerges in us that would move away from presence. And sometimes that takes the form of wanting to hold on to techniques that would seem to get us, you know, more into the present moment, but which are actually pushing us away. All we're doing is sitting here. It's interesting how sometimes it can be hard and uncomfortable just to sit here. And yet it can also be the most incredible experience as well. All right, so that's what I have for tonight. Um, it's nice to see you all. Happy New Year. And um, yeah, and I look forward to uh, a wonderful 2022 with, with all of you. Yeah, thank you for being here. Thank you, Bernie. Thank you. Namaste. Namaste. Thank you. Thank you.